What is up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Dense Pixels Podcast. I'm your host, Brad, joined by my co-host, Carrie. What's up? We are going to be talking about some uh, merger talk. Uh, We're going to be talking about some Super Mario movie talk. We're going to talk some climate change later. Uh, But first, me and Carrie both (laughs) finish uh, Pentiment within hours of each other this weekend. Um, And Carrie is is much more worse off than I am in terms of... (laughs) emotional uh emotional scarring yo that game game, like really rips your fucking heart out a couple of times um it does we're not going to go into spoilers because again it's it's too good it's too good to 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 spoil for you so i won't but basically there's like there's a character that shows up about halfway through this story and um uh basically so this this game in true obsidian fashion has like uh persuasion checks mm-hmm. over the course of the story that you sort of build up over time with people rather than like okay cool you have an 85 in speech so you can pass this right. persuasion check that's right here with this character that you just met five seconds ago <laughs> you know, like in you know, fallout it's, you know it's obnoxious too i think that a lot of those checks are very heavily weighted in specific outcomes because i had a lot of them where I had nothing but positive like things helping me and i had like five or six of the little you know, blue triangles on one side. And I'm like, oh, surely I'm going to pass. They're like, no, you failed. You keep failing no. over and over yeah. again. So. <laughs> yeah, there's like a key event that like you have to do with someone in order to convince them of something, you yeah. know, three hours later. But yeah, so basically what happens is uh, the probably the most devastating persuasion check of my entire life happens because uh, the game shows you, you are too nice to this guy. <laughs> cool. You doomed him. Like... <laughs> <laughs> It's like that popped up and I was like, no, <laughs> oh, no, it's always like every every bit of that game is me just going, oh, no, the consequences of my actions. Oh, yeah. no. Um, yeah, just uh, a really, really uh, beautiful experience. Um, I saw a review today that mm-hmm. made me roll my eyes. Um because the person was complaining about like the lack of an addicting gameplay loop. And I was like, what the fuck do you think this is? Call of Duty? What did you want there to be? Shooting? Like, I I have to push back against the idea that like every game needs an addicting gameplay loop. Like mm-hmm. the the thing that keeps you coming back to Pentiment is is the intrigue, is the narrative. Um yeah. and this person was like, oh well hiding a mediocre experience behind pretty artwork and i'm like no it's not you're just boring <laughs> yeah and and i mean i like if you're not into the story then yeah you're not gonna right. you're not gonna I, like this game for sure i'm not gonna sit here and be like oh this is a game for everyone because it's not because not everyone likes visual novels mm-hmm. the same way that i do um but it it really just like it it Again, like I couldn't help but just like roll my eyes at the whole idea of like someone complaining that all you do in a point and click visual novel is talk to people like, oh, no, you're doing the thing that the developers want you to do. Oh, whoa. Um, And and again, like I really enjoyed the. Like I talked about this last week, but just, you know, the personalities of all the characters in the game really shine through Um, and they're very unique. And and I felt some kind of way about them. Like there's a character that you meet. Uh, in the third act, that's kind of like ever present throughout that that act, and like I took a dislike to him right away, but he keeps like you know getting in your I, getting in I your see, business. I, I 
felt the opposite way. I I took a, I took a bit of a shine to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing: depending on how you play out the third act, like the the way that the the credits happen, and you know, because you know, slight spoiler alert, I guess, like the credits sort of show you what happened to mm-hmm. all of the characters that you interacted with after the events of the game, um, or at least certain things are implied through what is shown to you in the credits um so brad and i did completely opposite things with that character so our ending role was accordingly completely different as far as he was concerned yes um and also and also like like act three so like act three takes place a pretty decent amount of time after uh 18 years after act two yeah i did enjoy how because like you revisit a couple old characters from act from the previous acts and like I said, there's some surprises with those characters as well. That was that was pretty fun and, and things of that nature as well. There were some like really delightful surprises. And then there were some where I was like, oh, no, buddy. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I mean, like, again, the the whole experience was was just really amazing. Um, I finished the game in. Let's look. I was at about 12, 11 hours. 12.1 hours for me. Um and as soon as it was done, I was like, I, like, I just want to do it again and just like do oh, things that's, differently. That's funny. Like I have, so like I have no inclination to play this again. Cause like, I like I feel like you want to go back and do it again. That's funny. Cause so, so like in my, in my mind, like kind of like my story in that game is that's just the story of the game. Like I, like I have no, no urge to go back and make like, what if I do this differently? Or what if I make this choice differently? Or what if I'm, you know, what if my character, what if I play them like this and, and see how that changes thing? Cause I feel like that the end result is going to be kind of, kind of similar with it's some probably going to be yeah. like the core plot is going to be like the same regardless, but like you have like act one and two have like very distinct finales that change depending on what decisions you make. Mm-hmm. And the game doesn't tell you if they're the right or wrong decisions, but like I am I am so curious to see like, okay, cool. Well, what if I chase down this thread instead? Like, what am I going to learn about these people that I didn't learn on my first playthrough? Yeah, um, There is there. So there is, I, I did notice one achievement. So like, apparently like you can, this is, this is mild spoilery, um, but not really. Um, you can end, you can end the first act with like the Abbott, like really happy about the thing that you yeah. did. So I'm kind of curious to know like what you have to do. Like to what do I have to do side? in order to, yeah. Cause I ended the game like out of favor with the Abby and I was like, well, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> that, given what I did, that makes sense. Um, I, here's the thing. The, I was surprised that the game lets you watch or mm-hmm. choose not to watch um, the execution of the person. who you <laughs> Did you, did you, by the way, did you watch? I couldn't watch. No, I didn't feel good about it. I didn't feel good about it. It's a good. It's a good thing you didn't. Um, I will tell you uh, that the executioner uh, did uh, a pretty bad job of of doing what he was supposed to do. Oh no! So I just like it's when it gave me the option to look away. I was like, dude, I can't fucking watch this. That's funny because like I like doesn't feel good. Well, we we both picked the same. We both we picked the same, same person. Yeah. But like I was very steadfast in my belief that this person was guilty. And so I was I like, yeah, I'm going to fucking watch him get his fucking head chopped off. I I was fairly convinced literally right up until the time where they let him out to the executioner. Yeah, I thought I thought, I thought I that was like, just the I thought that was just the pleading. I was of, like, uh, I, no, like I fucked up the guilty. Like, nah, no, nah, I was like, nah, this is this is the right call. This is nah. the right call. So. 
Um, yeah, I, I want to go back. I want to choose different backgrounds this time and see what other options um, the game gives me as far as like dialogue choices that I didn't get on this first playthrough. Um, I chose rhetorician as a background option mm -hmm. because I was like, ah, oh, rhetoric, something I studied extensively in graduate school because uh, I got my master's degree in professional writing. So I had to take a rhetoric course of some sort basically every semester of grad mm -hmm. school. I did an extensive deep dive into Cicero as part of my graduate studies. So I was delighted when the game gave me the option to cite the works of Cicero. But true to like Obsidian's narrative format, um, I was not socially rewarded for citing well, the works the same, of Cicero. I was in the same boat because <laughs> I, so like me being me, um, I dabbled in like every form of like, faith and religion that i could it's like yes like i believe in god but also totally into this occult stuff that's going on oh, like, i this really want to do an occult yeah. run next time and uh I didn't well but i but i also picked um i i also picked that i was a logistician because i'm like well this is me in a nutshell let okay. me tell you something when you use the logical option they're like wow you you're kind so of a douchebag <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> i love that the game gives you options yeah. based on your background and because you're someone who has played video games before, your stupid, dumb gamer brain goes, ah, <laughs> oh, yes, clearly because this has this special icon next to it, this must be the dialogue option that is the most right in this situation. But uh, hey, true to life, um, I was not rewarded for citing the works of Cicero because no one wants to hear that shit. <laughs> <laughs> late, late, later in the game, I, I picked the option where... Um, they're like, oh, your character is very like, like has a quick wit and like, like can, can skewer someone. And I'm like, oh, this, this makes sense. And then like every time that option came up, I'm like, wow, this is no, this is too harsh. Like, I, <laughs> like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be this person. I thought about it. I, I went tinkerer with, with her. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, legit. Like I, I was so, so, so excited that a game gave me the option to talk about Cicero and to be pedantic about Cicero and then was like, slapped me on the wrist for doing so. It's just like, don't, <laughs> no one wants to hear that shit, you stupid idiot. Like, no one cares. <laughs> you're talking to peasants. They don't care about that. No. <laughs> and, and you're too high, Ralph. So yeah, Pentiment, real good. Um, it has inspired me and you have, since, since you were so quick, uh, to buy this game last week, you have inspired me. Um, I bought Paradise Killer. I will hey! play through it at some point. Um, it was also like eight dollars last week. Yes, it was, which is why I purchased it. So <laughs> again, I'm 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 good for another like dozen hour or so um, narrative game. Um, also, as soon as I finished Pentiment, like the other reason I was kind of blazing through that is because I wanted to start a new playthrough of Persona Five on oh. my Steam Deck, which I have mm -hmm. done. Um, I, I just finished the first uh, palace in that okay. game again. Um, it's it's cool once you play that game once. Like you can like your playthrough the second time around is much more efficient, or at least on the stuff that I've done oh, yeah. previously. So that that's been good. Like I like I went through the first palace in about three to four hours less than it took me um, the first time I played. Yeah, because so. <laughs> you don't have to like figure the game out. Right at this point, it's like all right, cool. I know what I'm doing. Like I know how the palaces work. I know how the stealth works. All that it's, other. Shit. It's funny too. So like I'm playing P5R and. I the, like the when I first played it, it was just regular Persona Five. Um, I've already noticed like a tremendous amount of things that they've added, even through mm -hmm. this first like playthrough, which is impressive because I really thought that the add-ons were just like that extra like 
arc that I know is in the game and characters. Yeah. Um, and then maybe some like different items and stuff like that. But no, they, they actually added like new, like different wrinkles to the existing fights and stuff like that in oh, the game yeah. and, and new things to collect in the, the palaces, palaces and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So that because like there like there was I was like strike sanding affecting myself where I was as I was going through or not is the strike sand effect or the, no it's Mandela effect no. I'm thinking <laughs> I was I was Mandela affecting myself where I'm just like was this was this in the first playthrough like I I don't remember this but it must have been because because <laughs> it has to be the same the same palace and then once once I did the boss fight against uh, Kamashita like there was a distinct new part of that fight that was definitely not in the first game. And I was like, oh, I was yeah, like, this all, is all the boss fights are yeah. a little different. Yeah. yeah, this is totally new. So that was that was cool. And I'm I'm glad that that's there because it helps keep things fresh from the parts that I've already played, which is not, you know, only only like the first third of the game. But, you yeah. know, it'll, it'll be it'll be nice to have that those uh, extra little things in there. Yeah. P5R is great. And then you can go and play Strikers. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I already I, own it. So, <laughs> dude, Strikers is super fun um, because it does serve as a direct sequel story wise. I would not play it until you finish P5R. Mm -hmm. It's actually a sequel to vanilla P5 because like the extra characters don't show up. But regardless, like finish the story and then go and then go play Strikers. Um, Strikers is a ton of fun, too. But I'm glad you're playing Persona 5 Royal and I'm glad you're having a good time because it's a great game. Yeah. Um, I finished Pokemon Scarlet. Already? Yeah. Like I saw, I saw that you put that in the docket. I'm just like, it's only been out for like two weeks, hasn't it? If that, uh, yeah, like two weeks. That's that's so. a lot of that's a lot of Pokemoning in a short amount of time. How long how long did it take you to 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 beat the game? I haven't looked at my hours. If I'm being completely okay. honest with you, um, yeah, I mean, here's I did not find the game to be particularly difficult. Um, even like the sort of end game story content because mm -hmm. um, after you finish the main three uh storylines the starfall street the victory road and uh path of legends um there's like hey there's some some shit going down inside that big crater that we've all been ignoring for the last 35 <laughs> hours why don't you go check that out um and sure enough there's some shit going down inside that crater um and that's the sort of end game final bit but like even that only takes like three hours to mm -hmm. do like it's it's not a super long thing um i enjoyed the game um i really enjoyed all the characters um i thought arvin's storyline is probably one of the best written things that has occurred in any pokemon game mm -hmm. in terms of like his relationship to other characters, why he's doing what he's doing, his motivations and whatnot. Um, he's a really compelling guy. I really liked his storyline. Um, and then the other two sort of like main supporting characters are Penny and um, Nimona. And Penny is okay. I think her character design is atrocious, but she's the central character of the Starfall Street story. Um, and it's like, I get what they were trying to go for with the Team Star stuff, and they executed it like they got like 75% of the way there. Mm -hmm. um, it just could have used some finessing to be a little more convincing or involved. I think for me, the Starfall Street um, gameplay stuff was probably the weakest simply because of the fact that like it, it, 
it was five things that were exactly the same thing mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Like you run into a team star base, you have to defeat 30 Pokemon using three of your Pokemon in like the quick battle thing within 10 minutes, which 30 Pokemon in 10 minutes, like if you say it out loud and like, it seems like it's going to be a challenge. And then you finish every single one within like 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then you have to fight one of the team star bosses who roll out on these big souped up vehicles and basically it's like a gym leader fight. Um, Team Star did have the best music though. Far and away the best music. The Team Star boss music fucking rules. Um, but it it didn't feel like it felt like I did exactly the same thing five times. Mm-hmm. Whereas like at least the gym leader stuff, the stuff that you do before the gym leader fight is different at every single gym. Like sometimes you fight another couple of people. Sometimes you have to go do a different kind of challenge, like a scavenger hunt or something like that. But regardless, it's, it's like a different thing every time. Um, And the Titan battles are like, they're all similar in so much that like you're fighting a huge Pokemon, but like it feels different enough. Cause like the typing is so different every time. And um, because the Pokemon is so big, it feels like more of a threat. Um, so yeah. Um, I, what's, what's sort of cool is like, after you do everything, you're like, cool, you're a top champion now. Um, congratulations. We're sending you off to do some work for the Pokemon league. We need you to go and do an assessment at all eight of the gyms and just make sure that all the gym leaders are like keeping everything <laughs> up to snuff. So they have you, they have you rematch so all you of be- the gym. Be- <laughs> you become the Pokemon league district manager. <laughs> yeah. You become the district manager of the Pokemon league. <laughs> and they send you off to the eight gyms to, to basically do like a high level, like mid sixties uh, level rematch with all of the eight gym leaders, which is kind of fun because like all of their teams have changed since you fought them the first time and are all like at minimum 20 levels higher mm-hmm. than when you fought them the first time. So it's kind of neat. It, you know, there's that. Um, and then after you do that, you unlock the sort of like repeating post game battle thing where it pulls in four random trainers so that you can like defend your title or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I am more interested in like exploring more of the world of Paldea that like I, I didn't do before, but again, the problem is the game is so fucking janky <laughs> that, <laughs> that I am not super incentivized to spend a lot of time, like going around Paldea again, because um, I find it to be somewhat of a chore. Yeah. And I, and I'd have to run so bad. And I'd have to imagine that like by the time, DLC comes out for this game, like they'll have patched it up and it'll probably run a lot better and, and yeah. it'll probably be more enjoyable to to go through then. And if you're worried, it, like like if you're like, wow, you know, with all the criticism this game's received with how it runs, like I'm sure that uh Game Freak is and the Pokemon company have learned their lesson. Um probably not. Uh this apparently Scarlet and Violet have sold uh more than 10 million copies in the yeah, first couple it, it weeks of the Yeah, It's sold fucking gangbusters. Yeah. Um, so unsurprisingly. They're just, like, <laughs> just like, no, we'll just continue. Uh, putting it out in this state and uh, it'll be totally fine because we're going to sell it like crazy. I, I it, mean, it, it is it is interesting that Pokemon has kind of a really insulated user base in a lot of ways, because as I heard it, uh, as, as I heard someone else bring up, they've retained like all the people who have grown up playing Pokemon and they just keep yeah. adding new people to play Pokemon because new yeah. kids, you know, like as kids get older, they're just like, oh, like what's this Pokemon that is all the is all the haps. 
on yeah. on the street and they just you know they they retain people like Carrie and they bring on new eight to ten year olds every year yeah uh, to to play these games so so yeah I mean look um I I'm looking forward to DLC for this game because if what they did with Sword and Shield is any indication there will be DLC mm-hmm. plus there was DLC for Arceus that was free um they did that free update um so I don't know if they're going to do like a small scale free update. It's probably going to be more in the line of what they did with Sword and Shield with the paid expansion passes, though. Mm-hmm. But uh, either way, I will be there for it and I will be more than happy to do it because, again, as you said, the game has got to run better by the time that they roll out DLC. <laughs> it, can't, it can't run any worse, at least. So you've at least seen the bottom of the barrel. So it can, it can yeah. only go up from here. Um, that's excellent, though. So I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that the game is fun. Um and again, issue, you know, technical issues aside, everyone seems to say that it's, you know, one of the better. <laughs> That's the thing, right? Recently, like, so. Again, like the game is like ridiculously fun and there's so many good things about it. It just runs like shit. So um, if they are able to patch some of the performance issues, they'll they'll have a real, real gem of a game on their hands. For but sure. if not, everyone will just complain and still pick it up and buy the DLC when it comes out anyway, because we're all idiots. So <laughs> what am I going to do? Not play the new Pokemon shit? No, I'm going to play it. I'm obviously going to play it. I've been doing this for 24 years, Brad. Like they've had me for 24 goddamn years of my life. And they could not fix a damn thing. The mm-hmm. game could run worse with DLC. and I would almost certainly still buy the dlc because game freak has had me by the ass since 1998 yeah this is this is basically uh this is basically becoming or this is how i was with fifa for a long time i'm like i don't really care how what fifa looks like i'm just i'm gonna buy it and play it yeah of course like what what am i doing i'm not gonna play fifa like i must be crazy (laughs) so very cool but that's uh yeah that's that that's the new stuff uh well not new stuff that's the stuff that we've oh. still been playing after last week so yep. um very cool cool well uh if you want to come talk about Pokemon or Pentiment or whatever else you've been playing uh, you can do that over at our Discord so if you head to densepixels.com slash fans that takes you to the Dense Pixels podcast Discord and you can come hang out and talk about video games or you can do what more people have been talking about over the last week which is talk about the World Cup mm-hmm. and more, everyone racing um, more on that in the post office the more on that in the post office so. <laughs> we'll talk about uh World Cup soccer over there uh and in the meantime while you are on this uh terrible service called the internet you can go to youtube.com pixels and uh check out the video version of this podcast and while you're there hit subscribe and while you're subscribing to stuff subscribe to all of the tnp studios podcasts wherever you get your podcasts including the nerd apocalypse black on black cinema coming distractions and the weekly preview episode of work look forward but if you want to help us out a little bit and help keep the lights on here at uh the dense pixels podcast caves that we do these out of um go to dense or dense yes densepixels.com slash premium and for five dollars a month or fifty dollars for the year you get access to the premium slate of podcasts which include the airing of grievances no time to bleed the men with the golden tongues upstage conversation and full episodes of the look forward political podcast and uh brad i think you and i are going to start this terrible action movies you pick a movie and I have to watch it. Yeah. Kind of it's going to be great. Like, like it keeps it, it's the idea is too good. The idea is yeah. too good. So yeah, um, it'll happen. Yeah. It'll happen. And, and again, we might have to do that in like a watch along 
format so that yeah that you know, might be something we can... do like on the discord yeah. so uh you guys can participate in that so stay tuned for more and uh we move to the news where in uh and uh well this hasn't been confirmed yet but in rumors that i find absolutely unsurprising uh the microsoft acquisition of activision is uh probably about to face a major ftc lawsuit <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's getting scrutinized, and a lot of people made um, made a lot of hay about the fact that the that the Federal Trade Commission, which is the U.S. regulatory agency um, for companies, uh, is going to sue them. And people are like, "Oh my God, it's going to stop the deal from happening." That's probably not the case. Like, no. like typically, at the, when the FTT sues a company um, as they're trying to complete like a massive merger, it's not to stop it from happening. It's more so to get specific concessions. Um, from yeah. them just to make sure that that the merger is not going to be uh, in any competitive state. Um, I don't think this is surprising considering especially uh, Jim Ryan of Sony has been doing everything he possibly can uh, to slow or stop this merger from happening, um, especially in Europe where you might say uh, that they have somewhat of a home court advantage because Jim Ryan is based uh, in in the EU um, to the point where Microsoft has even said that they're probably – uh, going to be soon making a lot of formal concessions to the EU uh, in terms of uh, this deal. The big we haven't really been talking about it on the show because it's just been a lot of like sniping back and forth in the in the media. Um, <laughs> Jim Ryan's big thing, or at least what he's saying, the big thing is, is that he's worried that if this merger goes through, that one day Call of Duty will not be available on PlayStation consoles. I think personally, Jim Ryan doesn't believe that. I really don't think he believes that because it's not in Microsoft's interest to not have Call of Duty of all things on PlayStation on, consoles. Right. What I think Jim Ryan is actually concerned about is he's actually concerned that Call of Duty will end up on Game Pass Day 1, which is a huge value proposition for people buying an Xbox over a PlayStation when choosing which console uh they would like to buy. That's what Jim Ryan is actually concerned about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I find it very funny that basically this sort of back and forth between Sony and Microsoft has basically been being, we suck. No, we suck. No, we <laughs> suck. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's right. Jim, Jim Ryan. But like, well, the, the, the best one, the best one of all time had to had to have come over this past week where <laughs> one of Jim Ryan's arguments to like the EU trade to the EU like trade commission is, you know be a really bad idea if Microsoft were to have all this power and, and have all these exclusive franchises, because if they do, you might see them raise the prices of, of, of console hardware and software in the marketplace. Not even uh, like just completely moving on past the fact that Sony just raised prices on PlayStation consoles literally yeah. months like, ago in every yeah. territory, except for, except for North America, basically. Yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> Microsoft out here is defending themselves by saying that their their own exclusive games uh, suck compared to Sony. <laughs> uh, saying that Sony has more exclusive games than Microsoft, many of which are of better quality. Uh, citing iconic first party franchises such as God of War and Uncharted, and that PlayStation has nearly five times as many exclusive titles as Xbox. And then Sony came back by saying, 
oh, but like Game Pass leads PlayStation Plus significantly. Like Microsoft has such a lead on us in the game subscription services. We can't possibly keep up with them. And it's just like. Well, the, 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 is, the other the other great on? part, the other the other great part is Sony's like, you know, if we lose Call of Duty, like, what are we going to do? Like, what are we going to like showcase the Battlefield series on PlayStation? The <laughs> Battlefield series is terrible. Like, why, like, why would we want to like, dragging EA <laughs> kicking and screaming into this argument just to throw them under the bus? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and again, like, I don't I don't think Jim Ryan honestly thinks that he can stop this merger from happening. No. No, he just he's he trying he's he's doing what his job is and he's he's fighting and scrapping um for every concession that he can possibly get out of the deal. It's reported that Microsoft either has offered or is going to offer uh Call of Duty uh for 10 years on PlayStation as part of this agreement which uh, which Jim, which Jim Ryan was like not good enough like like uh, like I need forever. I need this to be forever right and like ever. I need I need a contract that says until the heat death of the universe, Call of Duty will be on PlayStation. <laughs> and and Microsoft's, one of their counters to that is like, well, look, we can't put an agreement in place that says it's going to be on PlayStation forever. Because what if in, you know, 15 years, PlayStation's not a console, but it's like a cloud service. And like, like we don't know what the future holds. So we can't, you know, we can't say that it will perpetually be on there for all, for all times. I just find it really hilarious that like. Jim Ryan and his like, you know, his like fucking uh, consigliaries were all probably in a room and they're like, what's the most effective area of attack that we can use to fight this merger? And they're just like, call of duty. Like, that's the one that's going to fucking nail it into the ground. And so it's inviting a lot of scrutiny from these regulatory agencies. Um, I think two of the 12 agencies worldwide that need to sign off on this deal have approved so far. Um, and I think those were like Brazil and Saudi Arabia were yeah. the, were the two big ones. Um, so, but again, like a lot of people are like, Oh, like, like the U S government's going to sue them again. It's not going to stop it from happening. Um, no. it, it's, it's, it's partially a, to get some concessions to um, Lena Khan is the new chair of the FCC. She is kind of uh, thought of as like someone who's really going to be a lot more aggressive towards corporate America in terms of these deals. So this is a great like showpiece for her to be able to kind of, you know, show, show that she's show that she's teeth essentially, if that makes sense and look strong um, in terms of, you know, getting some stuff, you'll see some concessions. I'm sure you'll see some sort of arrangement around call of duty and possibly some other titles um, in the Activision blizzard stable that have to be like guaranteed or, you know, some, some, something along those lines. I don't think it's going to stop it from happening. Um, there's no reason really to stop it from happening. Ultimately, like, like again, like I'm sorry, but this merger would not like, tilt the balance of power in the video game industry to you no. know, firmly in Microsoft's camp. That's just not to their point. Like Sony has all these great first party franchises already that aren't likely to stop um, coming out with games and, and being good. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. But I just find it interesting that the FTP FTC is going to be wading into the mix um, with what's going on. So I'm sure Jim Ryan's happy though. I'm sure he's sure he's fucking thrilled. Um, After Climate is a research and consultancy business uh, that is, quote, on a mission to decarbonize the games industry. And they have done a report that they put out last week uh, that basically looks at how big publishers in the game industry are doing in terms of combating climate change. Or in the case of some companies, not doing uh, very good work at all. So the ones like at the top of the list, they're they're labeled as, quote, ambitious companies. 
A um, couple examples here, Microsoft, Ubisoft, Apple, Google, Embracer Group, Tencent, and Riot. Um, Tencent, a bit surprising, but uh, I guess that's good news if uh, Chinese companies are getting in mm. on the act here. Not too surprised about the other ones. Um, I would expect Microsoft and Apple and Google to be on this list, and I'm glad that Embracer Group is stopping uh, in the midst of all of their companies that they're acquiring to also worry about the fate of the future of the planet down the road. Um, the next group is basically the, what they call the baseline group. These are the guys that are just like ticking the boxes, like doing what they have to do. Right. Um, that's Sony, Activision Blizzard, Konami, Sega, and Bandai Namco. So those are the companies that are doing that. So again, not, they, they, they could do better, but they're at least doing what they need to do. Uh, the third group of companies that they called out are groups that need to quote, catch up. So these are companies that are lagging behind where they need to be. Uh, that would be NetEase, Zynga, Take-Two, EA, and Nintendo uh, is also on that list as well. Um, again, they can't put out a well-performing Pokemon game, so we shouldn't be surprised there. And then there's, uh, the, there's a few companies that are in what they call the non-compliance group. These are companies that are in the absolute bottom tier. Uh, and according to this uh, study, quote, these are the underperformers of the games industry. These businesses are exposing themselves to significant risk from climate impacts, as well as threatening their brand integrity and social license to operate in an increasingly environmentally conscious world. Uh, those would be Nexon, Roblox, and Square Enix uh, of all companies, which I find deliciously ironic considering that their biggest game or their most well-known game is literally about the dangers of a evil corporation destroying the environment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also worth noting, um, uh, two of the biggest video game players in the market being Valve and Epic could not be graded at all since they release absolutely zero data or information about their climate impact, nor have they made any promises to address it in the future. Yeah. Um, so... I would say Valve and Epic are just as equally a big a deal as Square Enix. Yeah, um, and, and especially more so because, again, those, those guys are running, like, commerce sites, basically, which is, yeah. are going to generate a lot of a lot of usage and things like that. So I, I would definitely like to know where they sit. Um, Here's so the thing about <laughs> this sort of study, though, is that this is all based on, like, you know, reports that come out probably during quarterly earnings mm -hmm. and whatnot where these companies say, hey, this is our date for net zero carbon emissions, and here's what we're planning or thinking about doing in order to get there. That's that's all that's all it's really basing this on. So what it mm -hmm. means is that like Nintendo hasn't come out and said, hey, this is what we're doing. And then three months from now they could say, hey, this is what we're doing. And they could just leapfrog to the to the top of this kind of list and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, you know, maybe some folks who are in that ambitious group could fall back down if they fail to meet any of these sort of standards that they've decided to set for themselves. Um, so I, I, I find this very interesting mm -hmm. to see the kind of companies that are coming out and saying like, Hey, yes, this is a, this is an issue and this is what we're going to do in order to um, not be as much of a part of the problem. Um, but I'm not taking this sort of study as gospel simply because of the fact that it's just like, all right, well, like, you can say you're going to do this shit, but, like, actually doing it is something different. Uh, um, not me. I'm going to flagrantly use this opportunity to slander Square as hard as possible. Not only are they uh, non-compliant with uh, helping prevent climate change, they are, tr they are trying to go full bore 
uh, into NFTs. Also, they a pretty damaging really climate. Uh, They're really fucking trying, yeah. and it's not going to go anywhere. Um, and that shit's going to be dead on arrival. Um, right. So I, I I could not imagine a more climate irresponsible take to be like not only do we not care oh, about this yeah. shit, uh, but we are also going to actively NFTs. work against it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so uh, fuck Square. Um, literally play your own video game and come back and see us in a couple of years. Well, I think it definitely goes to show the um, uh, let's let's call it distance between uh, the people who run the company and the people who actually make their games. Uh, <laughs> That's true. Because uh, the, the fucking C-suite level executives are generally not the people actually making the games at any of these companies. Uh, so. Uh, if you want to uh, give money to a terrible corporation, you can do that by going to densepixels.com slash Amazon. You can do your little Christmas shopping and whatnot. You can get that prime delivery and you can continue to give money to a corporation that is almost certainly doing irreparable dam damage to the environment <laughs> all over the planet uh, and uh, doesn't pay enough in taxes. But... Uh, you shop through that dense pixels slash Amazon link and then we get a little bit of that. So you can feel like a little bit less bad. Um, but hey, look, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. So fuck it. Live yeah, your best right. life. That, that, that's that, that's got to be our official slogan for the Amazon read. Densepixels.com slash Amazon. You're going to shop there anyway. Yeah, you're going to shop there anyway. That, you know, you're going to you're going to get a good deal on one of those flash sales on something that you need for your fucking in-laws and, uh, you know, you're going to get it half off and it'll come with free shipping and it'll be a good beep boop, no thoughts, head empty purchase. But if you're going to have that smooth brain about your purchasing habits during the holiday season, at least do it through us. Appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, that takes us to the dense pitch. no it doesn't no Not it yet. doesn't we have no we, we're gonna we're gonna briefly talk about <laughs> we have that to talk uh, about the super mario trailer that came yeah out today. again the movie looks perfect like it'll be perfectly fun i am really struggling to get past uh crisp rat and his I, uh and his i feel voice. like i'm the only person on the planet who like doesn't hate crisp rat as uh as mario like it just I feels it, it feels i don't know it just feels so forced like like at the end of the trailer, like he's driving in like the fucking Mario Kart, and he's like the Yahoo, like and it just and it just doesn't sound. It just sounds like he's trying too hard and yet not know. hard enough. I don't care for Mr. Chris Pratt as a as like a person. Yeah, um, I don't think he's a good person. And but and like, yet and yet he keeps he keeps being forced into these properties and movies and shows that we love. Yeah, that son of I, a bitch. I don't, I don't hate his Mario voice. I'm not going to sit here and say that I love his Mario voice, but it's not intolerable. You mm -hmm. know, I can get through a movie with his voice, yeah. especially knowing like we got that Jack Black Bowser. Mm -hmm. Jack very Black good. Bowser is great. Very it's good. great. It's everything I've wanted. Yeah. Um, Charlie Day Luigi, perfect, mm -hmm. flawless. Yeah. I forget who's voicing Peach. But I like her. Uh, Anya, because, Anya uh, Taylor Joy, I think is sure. Is. Yeah. Who the fuck ever that is? Um, I I like a peach that's a little mean, and she came off a little mean in that trailer. So I think I like Peach more in the movie than I like Peach otherwise. 
Are we are we about to get deluged with uh with fucking like right wing incel posts about like the fact that she's capable and not yes. like a damsel in distress? Yeah. The fact that she like flipped a fucking halberd into her hand walking down a hallway. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. There's going to be some virgin out there who's mad about that. Uh, by, some guy by the with way, a weird penis is going to be very upset about Princess Peach. Yeah. By the way, saw still of uh, one of the scenes in the Donkey Kong arena thing. Um, yeah. Diddy, Diddy and Dixie are in the crowd. Yeah. In, in, in the still that I saw. More so that's, importantly. It's cool. We got motherfucking funky kong in this trailer <laughs> i didn't i didn't funky catch that kong. yeah, yeah funky catch kong that. is uh when when everyone's in their fucking mad max carts at the end oh, okay um, da- funky kong is like clearly visible uh over mario's shoulder and i'm like all right cool See, my, my my favorite part of funky kong in 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 two though was his uh was the music at at, at the funky's uh funky's flights had a pretty had a pretty dope uh had a pretty dope tune to it um Again, this movie's fine. I'm sure it'll be fun to watch. Um, will I see it in theaters? I don't know. If we get a screener, maybe. Maybe I'll, I feel maybe like I'll you and I are going to end up going to the screener. Yeah, like, like maybe we can petition Jay to have us go review it, um, and that'll be fine. And 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 again, it's not going to be bad. Um, Keegan-Michael Key, I think, is also going to be pretty good as, as Toad. So that's, like I said, except for, Chris, except for Chris Pratt, I feel like the voice cast is solid. Feel like it's good to go. I was disappointed that we didn't get like any of Seth Rogen's Donkey Kong like voice. Like yeah. we saw Donkey Kong, but we didn't hear Donkey Kong. Um, but the film comes out in April. I think it's going to be a delightful time. Like again, I have to I have to rein myself in. This is not a movie for me. This is a movie mm-hmm. for children. Um, with probably enough in it to keep you know keep me up to speed here um but look there's a lot of folks in the in the voice cast who i like jack black charlie day seth rogan keegan michael key uh we've neglected to mention that we do see a little bit of cranky kong who will be voiced by fred armison (laughs) (laughs) so i think it looks great i i love the way all of the different kingdoms clearly look um Mm -hmm. here so Look, I'm I'm in my my biggest concern is just like, is this a fucking isekai anime (laughs) movie? (laughs) Is this is this like Mario and Luigi who are just normal human guys in New York City get like sucked into another world and have to save it? Is that is that what we're doing here? Because that's so you're you're telling me Nintendo Nintendo is going to try to right the wrong. Uh, that was the Super Mario Brothers live action movie from. Oh, one hundred percent. Also, that wasn't a wrong. That movie's brilliant. What the fuck are you talking? about? <laughs> I've not watched that movie in in a really long time. I have I don't trouble think I've ever actually seen it. I've I've tr- I'm trouble believing uh, the fact movie. that that movie is brilliant. Um, I think it's just actually bad. Like it's not like the Street Fighter <laughs> movie, which is bad, but it's also like so bad it's good kind of thing. I think I think the Mario Brothers movie is just really not good at all. Yeah. So, um. Apparently John Leguizamo was out here like really upset that they uh they didn't ask him to to come back and voice Luigi like he's like he's I mean, like I'm the definitive voice of Luigi I'm no, look, like here's the thing I think it would have been very funny for them to like bring him in for a vocal cameo yeah. and I'm a little surprised that they didn't do that um particularly given the breadth of other voice work specifically he has done in mm-hmm. the intervening years. I, I cannot help but be surprised that they did not ask him 
for any anything. Like Char- Charlie Day Luigi is one hundred percent the way to go in the year of our Lord two K twenty two. But um, I, I I'm surprised that he has zero involvement. Yeah, but who knows? Whatever. Uh, he's got go that to- fucking Disney money. Well, you know, shut up, dude. Yeah, he's fine. Like he's fine. We go to the post office. Uh, T-Wash says, have any of you played the sequel for a game first and then played the prequel to that game next? And that changed your opinion on a character or a story. They say that happened to them with Def Jam, New York, and Vendetta. Um, I don't know, because I'm trying to think, because obviously most games don't. don't uh, actually, no, I do have it, because I definitely played through Mass Effect 2 and 3 uh, before I played through Mass Effect 1. 1. And then when I went back and played through Mass Effect 1, um, I learned two things. One, Caden, uh, not lame. <laughs> Ashley, massive space racist. So <laughs> didn't did not get that impression from them uh when you when you you know run into them in two and three. Um so I guess that would be that would be my cause because I because you always hear like, oh Caden sucks, he's so lame, like he's definitely the person that I'm gonna send to die in in the mission where you have to choose between two the two of them. And most people are like, oh, Caden's fucking terrible. And I'm like, oh. I never got to see Caden because I heard he sucked. And then once I actually got to know him, I'm like, you know what, Caden? You're actually pretty cool. I, um, same, same developer. I played Dragon Age Inquisition before I played one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't finish one or two because those games have aged like milk. Um, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Micah, those games are not fun Micah, to play. Micah would be upset to hear you say it about one, but I think he'd have to at least acknowledge that the gameplay is is. But like that's it. It's like the if least, they yeah. if if the games played the same. Um, yeah, it didn't really super duper impact the way that I feel about most characters. I would say, um, like uh, Liliana, I thought was sort of went in. Mm-hmm inquisition and i thought her involvement in origins made her like a little bit cooler um and uh morgan i thought was cool as shit just based on her appearance in inquisition and then she's like a fucking badass witch babe in origins too so i was just like so she's always been really cool. Yeah, re- re- reaffirmed your cool. uh, your, yeah. your 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 predispositions. One hundred percent. Yeah, makes sense. Um. Uh. So Dan. So we we did not talk at all about the game awards. We, last I week. completely forgot about the game awards. We were too, we were too busy with Pentiment, uh, which uh, came out too late to be considered. I have to imagine that it's going to be uh, a contender for the twenty twenty three game awards. Mm. Um. But Daniel posted an image of the nominees for best fighting game, and this is this is did, a worthy discussion. I um, did see this. When I do. I do kind out. of wish Michael was here because I'd be very interested to get his take. Um, here are the nominees for best fighting game at the Game Awards: uh, DNF Duel, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, King of Fighters 15, mm-hmm. Multiverses, mm-hmm. the likely winner, and Sifu. Yeah, notably, not a fighting, not game. a fighting game. No. Um, if Sifu is a fighting game. Then Yakuza is a fighting game. Um, If Sifu is a fighting game, then River City Ransom is a fighting game. Like, are are we qualifying any game in which you fight as a fighting Uh, game? Here's one for you. If Sifu is a fighting game, the Batman Arkham franchise is a fighting game because it's kind of it's kind of the same sort of same sort of uh, milieu in in terms of like how how the fighting takes place. Spider-Man is a fighting game. Yeah. Um, 
No, John- Sifu is not a fighting game, and it should not have been nominated for this ta- category. Yeah, Johnny points out, he's like, well, they need a fifth nominee. You, no, you don't. Like, no, you just don't. got four. If, there, if there's only it's four fine. qualified fighting games that came out, then just nominate four games. Like, you don't have to force a nominee in there just to fill out the category. No, Sifu, like, here's the thing, is if Sifu had a versus mode, mm-hmm. that would be one thing. I, I feel like to, I feel like to be considered a fighting game that 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 is the bare minimum prerequisite that you need. You, yeah. you at least need a one v one mode of some kind. Like by fighting games in my thirty three years of existence on this hell of an earth mm-hmm. have always been, you know, minimum one v one multiplayer combat. Mm-hmm. or 1v computer but regardless it's like you're on a stage and you control a character and you go over the course of like matches mm-hmm. or rounds to see who is the victor sifu is a beat-em-up a beat-em-up is a game in which you fight but it doesn't make it a fighting game. <laughs> like, 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 I feel like I would have been more okay with them putting like the Street Fighter Six beta as like <laughs> as, as, right, like the nominee. Like, fucking anything. <laughs> yeah, I, needless to say, I disagree um, with the inclusion of Sifu. Watch it no, win now because that would just be fucking hilarious. Uh, Rogue G says, uh, asks me since F one is over for a while. I'm curious as to what, if anything, you change to make next season more exciting down the stretch. Personally, I changed the scoring system so we don't end up with teams that are hundreds of points ahead of the others. So F1 used to have a much more compacted scoring system. So, so Carrie, since you, you don't know this, um, the way the scoring works in F1 is that if you win a race, you get 25 points. Um, second place gets 18. Third place gets 15. And then it's like 12, 10, 8. And, and and on from there, the top 10, top 10 finishers get points of some kind from, from 25 down to one. But obviously it's not in, it's not in, you know, sequential increments. Um, the, the problem here is that Max Verstappen, the champion of this season and Red Bull, the constructors champions did so good and won so many races. Um, Max Verstappen won 15 races over the course of the year uh, that the title was mathematically stitched up uh, with about five races left to go in the season. And, even though it was not a mathematical certainty about halfway through the season, we're like, all right, no one's catching Max this year. Like it is, it is done and dusted um, as far as that goes. So F1 used to have a more compacted um, point scoring structure. It used to be an F1 that I believe the top six teams scored points. And those points ran from like 10 down to down to one um, for the top six. I don't necessarily think that that's the problem though. Um, I think that I think having a wider points range is actually better late in the season because um, it can lead to wild comebacks perhaps happening out of any out of nowhere. Um, I think the problem is that Red Bull just had the best car far and away this year. Um, it took Mercedes like Mercedes just didn't have like they had a reliable car, but they just didn't have the speed uh, to compete this year. And Ferrari had the speed. Uh, but their engines were blowing up every other week, and so that's a problem. So I, I, I think this, I think this season would have been a lot more interesting uh, if Ferrari just had a better engine. And not only was like Ferrari, like the main team, had problems with their engines, their engines had problems up and down the grid, up and down the grid all season because Ferrari also is a 
manufacturer that basically other other teams can buy their engines and put them in their cars that don't have the money or the R&D to develop their own engine. So Ferrari engines had a major problem all year long. They were extremely unreliable. That's really why we had such a runaway season for Red Bull. Like how many races did Leclerc not finish? How many races did Carlos Sainz not finish? Um, that That's what did it. <laughs> so I think I think next season um, we just need Mercedes to find the performance that they had in the last couple races of this year more consistently across the season and Ferrari to actually get a decent engine that will last and still perform well. Now their team principal just resigned today. Um, so that's probably not a great thing. Their team principal carry is basically the team's head coach. Um, okay. So that's so that's that's not ideal. Um, so that's probably not going to get them started on the right foot next season. But I, but again, I think just having those top teams, um, act like the top teams is, is what we need, um, to have an intriguing season and also don't expect 2021 ever again, because that was an anomaly and it's never going to come down to the last race like that very often. So, uh, he asks you carry that Pokemon ending is wild and Nimona is just a tad too excited to see you all the time. Yeah, Nimona um, is sort of like your de facto rival because um, she's she's sort of the existing like top champion student mm-hmm. at, at your academy. And um, she's the sort of like prodigy trainer and whatnot. But um, she's just like super stoked to have a rival. And so she like meets you at all the different gyms and she's just like, oh, I'm so excited you're here. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously she's your fucking girlfriend. So <laughs> just deal with that uh yeah the ending uh i didn't like i don't really want to talk spoilers quite yet um the ending is pretty bonkers um i would say that the ending like i it feels unearned like Mm -hmm. if if they had been sort of alluding to what's happening in the crater and um like what's really going on behind the scenes with um like the professors and whatnot um if, if that had been like hinted at throughout any of the storylines beforehand, that would have been cool. But like they didn't do that. So like you get to the end of the game and there's like a massive immediate lore dump and you're like, holy shit, what is going on? And then like you have like the sort of final boss fights and then the credits roll. And then like it, it felt a little unsatisfying because it mm-hmm. didn't feel like it, it was anything that was built up to. So from like a pure storytelling standpoint, like I... I didn't love it. I thought the area was cool and I thought the end fight was really neat. Um, And like, man, like the final boss music is just like super, super, super good. Um, God, all the music in this game is fabulous. Um, But yeah, I don't know from like a pure narrative standpoint, I thought it was just like a little weird. And um, again, if they, it would have been very easy for them to like, drop little hints here and there and like sort of set all these threads for you to chase down at the end of the game. But they, they didn't really do that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was kind of (laughs) wild, pretty weird. (laughs) Uh, T-Wash also asks, uh, what game mechanic do you wish there was more of in other games? Um, I wish there were more games like Godhead and let you pick your own moves to make specific combos. I feel like we've gotten this question or variant of it before. Um, I will say that I think Ghost of Tsushima and Elden Ring both proved that open world games don't need this reliance on this, like having a mini map that has like shit, you know, pockmarked all over it. And you don't have to have this like oppressive, 
you know, like compass system with all these like dots and points of interest and shit like that on in open world games anymore. I think that it's those games prove that you can give a lot more room to the player to just explore their surroundings and to kind of let the exploration unfold naturally instead of guiding them, you know, heavy handedly towards the things that you want them to kind of be pointed towards. So I'd really like to see more games like really give like take take the take the reins off the player a little bit and just kind of let them explore open worlds uh, as yeah. they want to. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I also can't imagine there's many other times where um, the phrase, I wish there were more games like God Hand. I can't imagine <laughs> that's been. <laughs> I don't think that's a that's a series of words that's ever been <laughs> written out like that too terribly many times. So. Anything for yeah. you? No, I mean, I, I would be inclined to just, just sort of agree with you on that. Um, outside of that, I, I like... Uh, T Wash's suggestion, uh, games that let you pick your own moves to make specific combos. Like, let me cater my play style the way that I want to play. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if sometimes not every game is served by that, um, but there are certainly more games out there that I think should let you do that that don't let you do that. So, yeah. Uh, Trey asks, uh, with the Keelys right around the corner, is it okay to riot if there is no Spidey 2 trailer? I'll even take another teaser at this point. Um, I don't think it's ever okay to riot. Like <laughs> I, Again, like uh, this this whole like instant gratification, like wait, 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 where's my fucking video game? I don't love that attitude that some people tend to have about like super hyped upcoming games, whether it be Spider-Man two or breath of the wild two or, mm-hmm. or anything of that sort. It's just like, let them make the goddamn video game. Like yeah. the, this whole, like I want it right now sort of attitude that unfortunately a lot of video game fans tend to have about their beloved properties. Um, that's what leads to crunch. That's what leads to rushed products. That's what leads to game developers setting unreasonable deadlines and then not being able to meet them and stuff. Um, so we all know Spider-Man 2 is happening. We're all assuming it's going to be as good, if not better, than the first Spider-Man game, as well as the Miles Morales um, glorified expansion pack. And um Look, it'll be ready when it's ready. Yeah, I have chosen I, and, not to stress out about it. And I, I, I understand the the like the desire to see as much as you can as and as often as you can. Um, I would say based on the fact that it's supposed to come out probably in the fall next year, I would not expect anything at the Game Awards. Um, I think Sony will help, will hold that until the summer, um, and kind of present that on their terms. Also, with something that's as big as Spider Man, um, I would think that Sony would want to have that at their own like on that their own event like, or state of play that feels like a state of play anchor right. or an e3 anchor um yeah so i so i don't think you will get anything um but you know trust trust in insomniac like when, like when was the last game, time insomniac put out a bad game like fuse back in like 2011 or whatever that game they came made out. that game they did yes it, it was a misguided uh misguided effort on their part they by their own admission but that was that was the last. I I would argue that's the last bad game that Insomniac has. Uh, that was has 2013. Okay, I remember that game coming out. So, hmm. 
Uh, Ricky says, or asks, I should say, how embarrassing is it for Qatar to lose <laughs> all three games in the World Cup and be the first country eliminated since last week? Uh, they're the first host country, by the way, to do that poorly uh, in the World <laughs> Cup. Um, he also asked how we feel about Mexico. Um, Mexico is certainly not in a good position. I think um, Mexico is a great place. I think yeah. lovely, <laughs> lovely people, lovely cuisine, lovely beaches. I, I don't, I I don't think that the I think World they Cup. need too much to break right for them to get out of the group stage of the World Cup. Um, here's the thing. Like, it's not embarrassing for Qatar. You know why? Because the fact that the World Cup is even there is is the victory. Like, like the fact that they get this massive sports washing, the fact that even like the American broadcast, like on Fox, like they're not doing any criticism of Qatar. They're not talking about any of the issues surrounding the world cup. You Everyone know why? is simply ignoring all of the human rights atrocities. Well, but do you, well, do you know why Fox is specifically because uh, Fox was going to have their studio team um, based in Los Angeles for the world cup and, and Qatar and Qatar Air, and Qatar airways, which is owned by the Qatari government was like, Oh no, no, no. We'll sponsor your broadcast and we'll fly. We'll like, we'll set you guys up in the country. And so they can't come out there and criticize the, and criticize them because of this. And to the point, like they're not even like dragging the home nation. Like, like normally like, you know, the, the, this historically bad effort on behalf of the Qatari national team uh, would be uh, fodder for dragging. Be like, yeah, like this is really embarrassing. Like blah, blah, blah. This is the other thing. No, not, not a peep from Fox, uh, which is not surprising at all. So again, Qatar doesn't care how their football team played. What they care about is that all the world's watching them, that they can run all these like, oh, like Qatar's like moving them, you know, all these commercials about like Qatar's moving civilization forward and this other thing. They care about the, you know, the photo op at the opening game with, you know, the Qatari Amir uh, sitting alongside Johnny Infantino, who's the president of FIFA and Mohammed bin Salman, who is the fucking king of or crown prince of Saudi Arabia. Um, that's the shit they care about. They couldn't care less about anything that happens on the football field. So, yeah, they, yep. they, they, they have already won. Guitar has. Mark says, how would you rate this year for gaming as a whole? Does it seem like a down year or more of the type of year where Indies rose in prominence due to the AAA releases lacking a soul for the most part? I do. Um, I thought that 2022 was going to be a landmark year for games. And I think that what we found is that the year was bookended by two major AAA games in Elden Ring and God of War <laughs> Ragnarok. God of War, yeah. Yeah, and, and everything else in between that kind of rose was all indie stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? A lot, lot of great indie stuff this year. Um, I mean, look, I, I had a fucking good year. I got two Pokemon games, two long, full Pokemon games that I really enjoyed between Arceus and Scarlet, despite all of its issues. Uh, fucking Pentiment's probably my game of the year. Um, uh, what else did I play? Uh, Monster Hunter Rise expansion. Like, mm -hmm. I'm set. I have plenty of shit to play this year. Um, I got Klonoa remakes this year. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Yo, I can't complain. Yeah, and, and again, up or down years in gaming, like it really does just kind of roll. It depends with, a like, lot on your taste. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, like, like this year is a fine year for me. Like, there's a lot of really cool games that came out. They just weren't like you know, the tentpole blockbusters for the most part. No. So, I mean, I got GT seven, always a good year to get a Gran Turismo in the mix. Yeah. So no complaints there. So it, it was a fine year, but I think that as far as like the blockbuster year that it was shaping up to be early, 
Um, no, I don't think it landed there because Starfield got moved out into next year and, and some other stuff as well. So. Yeah, I mean, we were <clears throat> expecting both Starfield and the Breath of the Wild sequel to hit sometime this mm-hmm. year. Both of those are now next year. Um, so, look, like, plenty of shit to play. Um, I might pick up Tunic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely want to pick up Tunic. I've been waiting for it to go on I, sale. I don't think it ever is. So I am. I have been... Uh, told by one of my bandmates that I should play Tunic. So yeah. I might do that. I, I hope it does. Like, like I got Death's Door and that really let me down. So I'm really hoping that Tunic does not fall prey to that because I know they're kind of, they're similar-ish in just in terms of the style of game, but yeah. uh, we'll see. Uh, we end with two questions from Cam. Uh, who says, first, who is more annoying, soccer guy or football guy? So ba- basically he's asking... Is it more annoying to be the person that insists on calling it soccer or the person that insists on calling it football? Um, Far and away, the more annoying person is the person that insists on it being called football by by like that. That is that is just like jingoistic class elitism from people generally in Europe who are just like looking down their nose at you, you filthy American you know, f- football fan, you swine, you can't even fucking say the name of the sport correctly. You fucking poser, you loser shit like that. When in reality, they're just kind of jealous that, you know, we get this and the NFL, which I hate the NFL, but people in England, especially really like the NFL. Like, they, like they're, <laughs> they're obsessed yeah. with the fucking NFL. Um, so yeah, foot football guy, Definitely more annoying than soccer. I be, and I'll tell you this because n- there is no soccer person who gets like offended when you call it football. I've never, I've never met that person. Like they'll use the terms interchangeably, but yeah, there are football people who, if you call it soccer, they will, they will immediately correct you. And that's annoying as shit. So that is okay. One. I was going to say that they are equally annoying, <laughs> no. but I, I have heard your argument and I am inclined to agree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he asks you, Carrie, um, yes. which new Pokemon is your favorite for this oh. generation? Uh, his is, Tinkaton, which whatever the fuck uh, that's is, to be. Tinkaton's cool. Um, Tinkaton is uh, a little, uh, it's a fairy steel type, which is a really fun typing, but it's like, it's a cute little sort of like nymph, basically, mm-hmm. with a huge fucking hammer four times the size of its body. Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Um, I, God. I really like Sprigatito. <laughs> we've got, we've been over this. I really like Sprigatito. Um, I think, God, like it's hard to pick one because there's a few that I really, really, really like. Um, I like Lokix, mm-hmm. which is a bug dark type, which is a fun typing. Um, Lokix reminds me of Common Rider. <laughs> so I'm super on board with Lokix. Um, I also really like, um, Sharkaday and it's two different, um, evolution variants. So it can either, um, evolve into, uh, MR Rouge, which is the sort of default that you get in Scarlet because that's the item that you get to evolve it in Scarlet and Amar Rouge sort of looks like Mega Man. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, in Violet, you can evolve it into, uh, Serilege which um has these like cool fucking swords and whatnot like the the whole family tree there i think is really really cool um so 
yeah, I, I think that's I think that's where I'm at. I uh I'm I'm gonna go with like Sprigatito and and low kicks are probably my top two. And then the Cer- the uh Shark Day is uh after that. So right. yeah. Well uh, that calls uh that's it for the yep. post office. Thank you guys for submitting your questions uh into that particular channel on our discord which you again can join by going to densepixels.com slash fans uh if you are in or around the baltimore area this friday night 7 p.m at the sellers point family center multi-purpose multi-purpose center, center <laughs> uh where i go to uh harvest ballots according to republicans um yep. you can check out uh the baltimore symphony gaming symphony orchestra yep the baltimore gamer symphony orchestra is doing our Oops, all indies show for the first time this Friday. And uh, as I've mentioned, it's a really, really fun program. We have, uh, we got, we got some big hit games. We're doing Hades. We're doing Undertale. We're doing uh, Overcooked. We're doing, <laughs> there's a lot. There, there's a lot of like big indies. Undertale, then, then, Overcooked, Eastward. Yeah, <laughs> well, we're not, not Eastward. doing Eastward. Um, <laughs> so that would have been a good one. Uh, I mean, there there's some big indies that like we just did not have the time for. Like we're not doing Shovel Knight and we're not doing Cuphead and we're not doing Hollow Knight. Which I'm is, like, I'm I'm a bonkers. little I'm a little myth that you couldn't make time for one Shovel Knight piece in the uh, me too. Episode. I would have really loved to arrange that. But um, we're doing a lot of other really cool stuff. Um, we have a really fabulous acapella arrangement of a song from Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. Um we have just a an absolutely bonkers orchestral suite for the game Mist. We're doing um, a lovely Outer Wilds performance featuring some banjo, so that'll be fun. Um, yeah, we have a, a journey piece with a cello solo that is just going to rip your heart out. <laughs> um, it's just it's so good. I'm really excited for this performance. Um, so hey, it's a free show. You can just show up and enjoy some music for a couple hours on a Friday night. Um, and but hey, we we got we got some raffle baskets. We got some fun little themed prize baskets, including like hundreds of dollars worth of merchandise from the Paradise Killer devs that they sent us. <laughs> so that's fun. So if you want to win some stuff, you can support the orchestra and also maybe go home with a little something something for yourself. But uh, yeah, uh, I will be playing bass and guitar on this program and uh, hope to see some of you guys there. Uh, You can subscribe to this show as well as all the other TNP shows exclusively uh, where you download fine podcasts. You can also go to youtube.com slash dense pixels, hit the subscribe button there, ring the bell icon so that you always are notified whenever new episodes post. You can head over to twitch.tv slash dense pixels and follow us as well as our individual accounts. Carrie Sup, it's Carrie. I am dense pixels. Brad Terrence is apparition 410. That is going to do it for us this week. As usual, thank you very much for watching and listening, and we'll see you all the next time. See ya.